What's up, everybody? This is Cortland from NDHackers.com, and today I'm going to have my friend Ryan Bednar on the show. Ryan and I did Y Combinator together way back in January of 2011, and today he's working on a startup called Rank Science, which he's very quickly ramped up to $80,000 a month in revenue by helping businesses with their SEO. For those who don't know, SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization, and it's all about getting your website to rank highly in Google so that you can take advantage of all that traffic. Specifically with Rank Science, he's helping businesses A-B test their search engine optimization, and he brings a ton of experience as an SEO consultant himself. In this podcast, you'll learn a lot about the fundamentals of SEO, about how to use your domain knowledge like Ryan did to grow a successful business, and about how to find your first customers and learn from their feedback. So here we go. Ryan Bednar, how's it going? It, it's going well. Uh, thanks so much for, for having me on here. Yeah, thanks for joining me. So to jump right in, let's start with the simple questions. What is Rank Science and how does it work? Rank Science automates SEO for, for businesses. Um, the, the way that it works is uh, we've built a CDN. Companies route their web traffic through our CDN, and um, we automatically grow their organic search traffic. And that's an idea that I've never heard anyone else doing. How did you come up with that idea? Yeah, it's a good question. It was sort of a a longer evolution. Um, so, so I'm a I'm a software engineer who became a SEO expert, uh, sort of by accident. And so, at previous startups I helped start or, or was an early employee at SEO was this tremendous revenue generator. And um, a lot of times it, it falls on engineering to manage and run SEO, you know, kind of by default if if no one else is doing SEO. And so I sort of backed into it. And um, after my last startup shut down, I became a SEO consultant for, for a lot of startups, so a lot of YC startups, uh, folks through my network, um, and then even some some larger companies like some Fortune 500 companies. And um, my, my biggest advantage as an SEO consultant was that I was a programmer. And so companies could add me to GitHub and I could actually execute um, all of the HTML changes um, and SEO tweaks that I was trying to um, trying to get them to do, and other SEO consultants just typically send over, you know, a list of recommendations, a PDF, like here's a bunch of changes. Uh, please have your engineering team do this. And because of that, iteration time with, with SEO can be really long. And so, what I, what I ended up building uh, for some companies uh, in house as a, as an SEO consultant was, was A/B testing software. It, it was just insane to me that. SEO is, is so important to all these these companies' bottom line, uh, but but no one can really measure their changes like effectively. Like, there's a lot of best practices. Um, there's a lot of uh, so-called like waving dead chickens around. Uh, you know, things that are you're just like, hey, everyone everyone makes these sorts of SEO changes. You have to do this. I don't know why, but you have to follow these these steps. And so I, I was really interested in doing data driven SEO. Started building in house. Um, A/B testing tools, so so companies can measure things like like title tags, on-page changes, uh, to to see how that affected click-through rates, see how that affected rankings, and um, from from there, rank science rank science is sort of an attempt to to productize what I was doing as a, as a consultant. And so, the first version we built of rank science about a year ago was an API, and uh, the the sort of the hope was that companies would integrate our API into their front end, and they could test front-end HTML changes. Um, what we found was that companies didn't want to do the work, uh, that it was too much work for them to integrate an API. And that's how we kind of evolved into, hey, if, if we build a CDN, we can actually do the HTML modification for companies. And, uh, and that's how that idea evolved. And so is your revenue public today? Do you guys share numbers? We don't share numbers, uh, but we, we did this did kind of make the TechCrunch announcement from uh, from our YC launch, and so we are above eighty thousand dollars in monthly recurring revenue right now. That's awesome! Congrats! Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so we started the company about about a year ago, but but really the last um, last four or five six months. Uh, you know, things have, have kind of really started to to gel, but you know, obviously, still have a ton to figure out and a ton of ton of work to do. How big is your company? How many employees do you guys have? There are five of us right now. My co-founder Dylan, who, who's our Dylan Forrest, is our is our CTO. Uh, we have a lead engineer. Um, we have a director of SEO, someone who helps you know work on you know, customer happiness and, and strategy. Um, we have a data scientist, and then we have an account manager. Yeah, that's a lot of growth in 
one year? Because I assume it just started with you and your co-founder and you, you picked up everybody else along the way, right? Yeah, that's right. We just started hiring. It was just the two of us for the first six months. And then we, and then we started hiring after that. So you mentioned that you did YC and then you guys were in TechCrunch for, I think, YC Demo Day recently. We also did you know, YC together back in 2011. And so between the two of us, we've probably seen hundreds of companies working on various things. What are your thoughts on picking ideas to begin with? Because for Rank Science, it came out of you know, the prototypes that you were building for clients as a consultant. Do you think that that's you know, a good way for people to come up with ideas in general by solving their own problems or doing things on the job? I think so. I mean, for me, and I forget who I was talking about uh, this with, I, like for me, Rank Science was like the perfect thing to work on because I'm a software engineer who finally like and sort of reluctantly embraced being an SEO and, and embraced like SEO being my lever for helping companies grow. And so, yeah, it, it definitely came out of like a personal interest and a personal pain point. Um, and, and also something that I knew companies would like value a lot and, and could have a big impact. And so, so I, I definitely encourage folks to, to work on things that are closely aligned with, with their experiences. And I, I think it can be hard if you're doing like a consumer business sometimes, but um, for rank science, that, that's sort of just how it evolved. Six months ago, you guys started hiring. I assume before then you started taking off. How did you find your first paying customers? Were these people that you had, had been clients of yours earlier on? The first people that we convinced, so, so this was kind of tricky, but um, we, so we built a CDN, right? And it's, it's hard to convince like an established business that like, hey, you built this new technology. We have no customers. Please be the first customer to route all your website traffic through our CDN. Um, so, so that was a challenge. But yeah, luckily through, as you said before, you know, we did YC together back in 2011. So I've been part of the YC network for, for a while now. I did have a number of people who trusted me, who I had, I had helped grow their sites before. And they, they were willing to give Rank Science a try and kind of take that leap of faith. So network definitely helped a lot. Our first couple of customers were from our network. And then from there... Other people started kind of hearing about what we're doing, either through word of mouth. Just the idea or concept of like A-B testing for SEO is, is sort of a new, newish thing for, for most companies. And so that did kind of garner us some um, referrals. Uh, but then from there, we did a, my co-founder Dylan published a, like a case study uh, for this company called CoderWall. And uh, we posted that on Hacker News. And it was like, you know, how, how Rank Science grew CoderWall's traffic by 57% with a single SEO A-B test. And that got a lot of attention and, and we started getting customers from there through, through Hacker News. Did you charge your first customers money or did you just kind of let them prototype it for free? The very first people who plugged in, we let them do it for free because um, we, we just needed to... It was, again, one of, the, one of the challenges of CDN is like, you can build a technology as like a proof of concept, but like you don't really know how it works until you start piping traffic through it. And so we needed folks to kind of volunteer just to, just to see, just like ensure that this, that this thing worked. So, so I think that was like one way to validate what we're doing. And it, it actually made a lot of sense because we were making a big assumption that companies would plug into, to our CDN and route their traffic through us. And there's two steps there. So one is like, we need to get them to be willing to plug in. We need their engineering team to okay it. And then two, like, would they actually pay for it? And so we kind of checked off that first box. Like, like yes, if we promise that we can grow your search traffic through continuous A-B testing, um, they will plug in. And then two, they, you know, they would eventually pay for it. Earlier, you mentioned that you started off with an API of sorts, and it wasn't that popular. And then after that, you moved to the CDN when did that happen, and why didn't people like the API? Yeah, um, I tried to do a lot of customer validation before I actually built the API, and so I went to friends of mine who ran companies where, where SEO was important, or you know, say 30, 40, 50 percent of traffic, and I said, "Wouldn't you love to do A/B testing for SEO? I know how to do it. Um, I've done this for other companies. If I build an API, uh, would you use it?" And they all said, "Sure. You know that this sounds great." But then when I actually built the API and went back to them, nobody actually wanted to use it or it was just tricky because it would require in-house engineers to, to integrate this API into their, into their logic and into their front end code. And that turned out to be uh, too, too much of an ask, uh, but, but it was a great experience for us. And, and 
and also like a learning for me, right? Um, so people will tell you that they want something, but then when you actually deliver it to them, like getting them to actually use it is like the real test. At what point did you decide to to pivot and try something else? I mean, were they giving you feedback like, hey, this is too hard for us to use? Or were you just analyzing your API usage metrics and you decided, you know, this is not getting nearly enough use and we should do something else? It was both. So some of them were just like, like, okay, cool. Yeah, like, we'll get to this. But like, then they never did it. Right. And, and you get to, I got the feeling that like, it was just a really low priority. And then the, like the folks that I did get to actually use the API, they weren't like, they would do like one experiment, like ever. And so, uh, and, and that was sort of another thing that we learned out of this is that coming up with A-B testing ideas for SEO is tricky unless, unless you have a lot of SEO expertise. And actually, in, unless you've seen what good SEO A-B tests look like, um, and they're, they're not completely obvious. And so A-B testing for, for CRO or, or conversion rate op- optimization is a bit easier conceptually to, to understand because, you know, everybody can like look at like a button on a page and say, well, why don't we test like making that button green or making that button red? Or why don't we make the sign up form bigger? Or let's really highlight the call to action. And so those sorts of design changes are easy for people to generate. But good A-B testing experiments are, are a bit trickier because you're you're talking about, you know, small tweaks to title tags um, or, you know, on-page HTML changes. And, and so that wasn't completely obvious, too. So that was sort of the second thing that we learned from, from building this API was that generating good SEO A-B testing ideas was hard. And that's another reason why we thought the CDN was, was awesome, because we could execute the, the SEO A-B tests, and also we could come up with the SEO A-B tests on, on, on our own, and we could just fully automate A-B testing for SEO. I'm curious how you came up with the idea for a CDN because after your API failed, it w- probably wasn't immediately obvious that you know there's a way to make this work if only you created a CDN. I also would like to know more about how you interact and talk with your customers because I've heard from a variety of founders that they get a lot better feedback talking to people in person or over the phone than they do over email or over chat. And it seems like you had like a lot of rapport with your customers and you learned a lot about their experiences. So I'm curious like what method you used to learn and iterate on your idea. And also, I'd love to know more about how it actually works because, you know, somebody who doesn't know very much about SEO at all, it seems like very difficult to even think about how do you A-B test on Google? I mean, do you run tests, one test before another one? Or do you test different pages that are similar? The way A-B testing for SEO works is, is we run tests across groups of pages. And, you know, sort of the easiest way to think about that, and we, and we, have, a, we have a case study on our site that, that we did for CoderWall, but the easiest way to think about that is to take an e-commerce site, for example. So a typical e-commerce site, they all follow sort of like the same site structure. There's, um, there's category pages, um, there's subcategory pages, and there's product pages. And... Those product pages, or, or each type of those pages, are, are on a, on their own template, and that template is pretty much the same. Uh, but there's different content, and and so for an e-commerce site, if we can increase the rankings of their product pages by a couple percent, that could have a really big impact on on revenue. And so, you know, what what we'll do is take, for example, a thousand product pages that that are on a similar template, split them in half, uh, five hundred would be into a control group and 500 would be into a uh, into a variant group and we would make some small html change to the variant group and to start we one of like the biggest tools in our tool belt is is increasing clicks and increasing click through rate from the google search engine result pages so if we can basically help companies make more persuasive titles that humans want to click on we can actually extract more clicks out of their existing rankings an example of that might be to add some call to action to, to the title. So if we're talking about, say our product pages are like video games and the, the page that we're tweaking is like, you know, Zelda for Nintendo Switch and the standard title is just Zelda for Nintendo Switch uh, dash brand name. So we'll say it's like Best Buy. We would run lots and lots of experiments on that title to see if we could get people to click on it more by adding some sort of call to action to it. So maybe that's maybe that title tag is then Zelda for Nintendo Switch uh, in parentheses buy online or uh, Zelda for Nintendo Switch read reviews and buy. Um, and those are just two, two really simple examples, but 
we'll run lots and lots of tests across groups of pages to, to see if we can increase clicks. And we, and we basically monitor how Google responds over time. So an average SEO experiment you know, takes about 12 to 21 days. Google has to index these changes, um, react to them, and then we actually look at the data. And so we basically sum up those two groups in aggregate and, and kind of see how things fall out to see if there is a statistically significant uh, result. So a lot of what you're doing is is kind of manually looking at their websites and deciding what options should you choose between in terms of you know the different tests you're going to run. Is part of your your roadmap making something making that something that uh, the users themselves are going to have to do, or are you going to build out you know a giant team of people to make these changes? So I mean, this is where it gets kind of fun. And so you know, the example I gave you was uh, was pretty simple and required some like human input. But on our end right now, you know, we are pretty, we're pretty high touch with customers in sort of the first few weeks uh, of, of, our, of them onboarding. And so we'll, we'll work closely with them on like coming up with a game plan for, for SEO, what keywords they really care about, um, what, what they want to rank for, what the goals are. From there, we can just kind of load in SEO A-B testing experiments and our software can, can kind of do the rest. Um, and then... The, the other cool thing is that we, we do have, so there, we have human inputs for, for SEO A-B testing experiments for, for our customers, but we also have software inputs. And so, you know, if you're an e-commerce site and you, and you come on to Rank Science, we have all this data from other e-commerce sites. Uh, and so, like, we know what, what good SEO experiments look like and, and, like, what most e-commerce sites should be running based on, like, our, um, you know, previous wins and so uh, for customers, it is completely automated. I think there, and, and we are actually automating some of the SEO experimentation process already. But I think over time, we'll move further and further into, into automation because who's better at generating small HTML tweaks and changes and, and monitoring results? Is it, is it humans or is it software? We're, we're, we're betting that, that it's software in the long run. We have a, a ways to go to, to kind of fully get there. Uh, but, but right now, um, it kind of works both ways. So let's go back to how you've grown Rank Science into the to the company that it is today in less than a year. You mentioned that your customers come from word of mouth and that they also come from your Hacker News post. How did you get the idea to create that Hacker News post? So I knew that th- th- there was this post in the SEO community of, like two years back that was really popular, and it, the Pinterest growth team put it together, and it was called uh, "Demystifying SEO with Experiments," and that was sort of the, f- as far as I know, it was the first published post on SEO A/B testing, and so there's a and and uh, it, it got really popular, and it's still a really popular post, and it's worth checking out if you're interested, and so. I was interested in sort of the, the stir that that caused, that, um, and, and I was excited that you could do A/B testing for SEO. And, and the more folks I talked to, the more I found out that like a lot of Silicon Valley companies that SEO is really important to them, like have these internal A/B testing tools. And uh, and so that's you know Yelp, TripAdvisor, Airbnb, uh, but but they all kind of like kept it really close to their chests uh, because it was like a competitive advantage. They, they didn't want to talk about it. But this is something that could benefit, you know, smaller companies as well, mid-sized companies. And also just like any company that doesn't have a whole engineering plus data science team to devote to SEO A-B testing. And so, so that post was like, was really sort of inspirational for, for us um, in, in starting Rank Science, but also kind of gave us a roadmap where we thought, hey, if we can just start publishing um, interesting SEO A-B testing experiments and changes and, and um, that, that people would be interested in and people would want to share it. And the, the, the quarter wall one that we post on Hacker News is particularly exciting because if you look at the change that we made um, for, for them, it was like we added 12 characters to, the, to their title tag and, and click-through rates went through the roof um, and you know really grew their entire site search traffic with just like a really simple test. And so uh, we want to continue publishing content that's sort of unusual HTML changes that lead to huge SEO wins. Like the fact that you knew about this other post that, who did you say it was Pinterest? Yeah. Who had the post? Pinterest. About, yeah. Yeah. The fact that you knew about Pinterest posts talking about experimenting with SEO and how successful it was really is something that most people probably wouldn't have known about or noticed if they weren't SEO consultants themselves. Do you think there are other big advantages that you've had being an SEO consultant for so long? that has helped you make uh, rank science, you know, 
as successful as it has been that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is, is just, you know, coming from a software engineering background. Dylan and I both went to MozCon in September and, you know, we're, we're a fan of Moz. Moz is this amazing community of, of SEOs and they, they have like really good reporting software. Uh, everyone uses it. Um, they're, they're great folks and they, and they put on a great conference. Uh, but we, and we talked to like hundreds of people there, uh, kind of trying to validate, you know, rank science and what we were doing. Uh, most of those folks are consultants and they, or they run agencies or, or they do in-house SEO for like big companies like Western Union or something like that. But we were just shocked that we were the only software engineers at this entire conference. And, and SEO is like pretty technical and, and you know, that, that is weird to me. And so I think there's sort of this like stigma attached to doing SEO because of its, it's like checkered history in the past where, you know, it used to be, Everyone kind of did link building. Everyone did so-called black hat tactics. And, you know, SEO kind of garnered a bad reputation. And so I think like a lot of programmers kind of steer clear of it or, you know, don't necessarily want to embrace becoming SEOs. Um, and so that's, that's something that I see as an opportunity and, and an advantage for us. Do you use your own product to optimize your content? We believe it or not, we don't really do SEO on our website yet. Like we only have like four pages and we have big enough sales pipeline where doing SEO for rank science hasn't become a major priority. This is something that people tease us about. Um, but it, it's definitely something we're going to, we really, I really believe in inbounds. I really believe in, in organic search. We're going to focus more on, on SEO th this coming year. Um, but, but at the, at the moment, oddly enough, we don't. What do you think are the criteria that differentiate a company that can really benefit from SEO from a company that might want to put it off until later? It, it really depends. So, so one, if, if your company's growing in, in all these other ways, you're getting word of mouth, you're getting referrals, like that's fantastic. Um, so Airbnb didn't focus on SEO until later because they had this tremendous like viral growth, right? Like Airbnb is a naturally viral product. And I remember like seeing them at YC and telling them that like, oh man, like you guys just like need to do some SEO and it would be this huge channel for you guys. And, and um, they it didn't see it as that important because they were growing and, and they were totally right. And it didn't make sense for them to focus on it then. Um, and it became, you know, a bigger, and, and now it's a really big growth channel for them, but they didn't really focus on it, I want to say for like four or five years. So, you know, there's an example where, you know, it's not that important. Um, if you're doing, if companies like spending a lot of money on AdWords and, and isn't investing in SEO that, you know, that's typically a mistake because the, the ROI from, from SEO is, is so high and, and AdWords is so expensive. If your product is something that people are searching for it uh, directly or people are searching for like topically related content, that's to me, looks, looks like a really big opportunity. If you're doing, if you're creating some kind of app or some kind of service, that's like totally brand new that people aren't exactly searching for it. That's where sometimes SEO or just search in general isn't that great uh, or, or, you know, this doesn't make sense. And, and that actually kind of applies to us in a weird way, right? Because nobody's searching for um, automatic SEO CDN. <laughs> and um, because this is sort of, you know, what we're doing is new and different. So that's kind of my thoughts there. Yeah, what do you think people should do? What do you think people should go to learn about SEO if they don't really know much about it. Because in the past, I'm, I've thought about using SEO to improve indie hackers. And by the way, I'm going to ask you what you would do to improve indie hackers as SEO later. I'm going to put you on the spot. But uh, in the past, I've thought about, okay, you know, what, what can I do to make things better? And I've gone online, and there's a whole bunch of different sources. There's Moz, like you mentioned earlier. There's a 100 other tools and websites. And it's easy to get overwhelmed and just decide, you know what, I'm just going to do this later. Where should people start? Um, yeah, so I think Moz is like the best online community for, for learning SEO. I think that's the best starting point. And I believe all of their, or most of their educational content is free. They, they do have online courses too. So, so I would definitely point people to them, but then it never hurts to like, depending on where your business is at to, to either, you know, talk to a consultant, you know, for some sort of guidance or anyone who's like done SEO or has like done growth before will like have some opinions those opinions might be completely colored by just like what happened with SEO at their most recent business or their current business. But um, Moz is a really great resource. And then just talking to people. So there's this like super active SEO community. 
that <laughs> publishes and republishes content, um, you know, nonstop on Twitter and, you know, all over the web. But, um, you know, Moz is probably the first place to go to. Are there any mistakes that you see beginners making very commonly with SEO that are just quick wins, and low-hanging fruit that people in the audience might want to know about? Yeah, it's, it's tricky because it's so site-specific. Um, I think a lot of people don't know, like, the very basics of SEO. And so, you know, f- for example, they don't don't use Google Search Console. Or Google Search Console used to be called Google Webmaster Tools. And so I spend a lot of time in there. I think most SEOs do. And so some companies are surprised, like, when I, I talk to them or if I'm just giving them advice or, or whatever, that like they might be ranking on like page two already for some like pretty important or relevant terms to their business and they didn't even know that um and that's something that google search console would tell you and then that's also like a pretty strong signal that like well hey maybe if you actually focused on ranking for this term or this these sets of terms and iterated on it you could get that you can move from page two to page one and and when you move into the you know number one through number five spots like you actually you know, get a decent amount of traffic and clicks. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of low hanging fruit just by kind of learning the basics. Are there like some super simple tactics that people can use if they're going after a keyword to move up in the rankings just a little bit? Is it mostly like title tag optimizations or inbound links? Um, yeah. So at, at a high level, um, rankings are still, you know, based upon links and, and content. And so it's roughly like 50% links 50% on page like HTML. Uh, I actually think that that on page HTML segment is growing. And so you de- Google does need to to see that other websites are linking to you for for you to be a relevant authority. In the past, I think that links factor was like maybe a lot uh, was a lot bigger than than it is now. And so SEOs got into a lot of trouble by just focusing on uh, building links. And so there were these things called PBNs and uh, people would would create these like link farms to to link to their customers and to and to link to their sites and that was like a really easy way to game Google until it wasn't until Google like learned like you know what these link farms look like and and you know what shitty backlinks look like and and then they like penalized all those people and you know what what I've found or, or what I see now more commonly is that. Most businesses have, unless you're starting from scratch, um, most businesses have like enough of a backlink profile that, that they're not extracting enough value out of their on-page SEO. And so, you know, rank science is completely 100% on-page SEO. We don't do any link building or anything like that. So uh, if you're a brand new business starting out, you, you do need to get some links. Um, links from high quality sources are the best, but just links from actual real sources are, are fine too. Um, and so that those can be your friends' websites, or those could be small blog posts from local newspapers or, or anything like that. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. If you were to change anything about indie hackers to make the SEO better on indie hackers, what would you change? All right, I, I have indie hackers open in my browser here, and I guess first what I would do is like is ask you some questions about like what is your what is your typical or ideal user look like. Uh, my ideal user is usually a developer who's interested in starting an online business or is already running an online business. Got it. Um, okay, so it looks like to me you're targeting learn from profitable businesses and projects. And that's to me that seems like a good like marketing headline, but it doesn't seem like something that like people are searching for. And so I might leave that as sort of like your H1 on the page, but I might experiment with like trying to target something that people are actually searching for. And so maybe they're searching for like successful bootstrapped companies. Um, Let me search that and see if Indie Hackers comes up. Successful bootstrap startups. Okay, so like the H1 on the page should be different than the title. Yeah, it can be different. I would I would start exploring with the title and some of the on-page content to target, you know, a term that that I think people are actually searching for that's related to what you guys are going after. And you can do keyword research through some tools like tools like SEMrush is is a really good tool for keyword research, or you could just actually use Google Autocomplete and start typing in things and and see what what Google recommends it, it, as far as like getting an idea of like you know, what are some terms that people are actually searching? And so, um, if I copy and paste this, learn from profitable businesses and side projects 
into Google, boom, Indie Hackers is number one. You rank number one, two, and three for this term, but it's probably like too specific and just like not something that people are searching for. And so I think Got it. successful side projects is probably something that people are searching for. Side projects for programmers, side project ideas, side projects to make money. I would come up with a list of, of keywords that are that are close to, to that. Pick the one that you like the most that, that seems like closest to your brand and start experimenting with that in the title, in the H1, or maybe in, you know, add some paragraph content to the, to the homepage and, and see how Google responds to it. Perfect. I'll try it. And for anyone listening, this is how you trick an SEO into giving you free consulting advice. <laughs> Just invite them on your podcast. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this too. Do you do you ever check out Google Search Console for indie hackers? I set it up a while ago. I think I looked at it a little bit for a week, and I haven't been there since. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That. I mean, that might just there might be some interesting stuff in there too. So you could go in there, click on search analytics, search queries, sort by impressions over the last thirty days, and and that would tell you kind of like what the most high volume keywords are uh, where where you're appearing in, in search. Um, and you, you might actually find something interesting. Maybe there's some term you didn't realize that the indie hackers is ranking for, uh, but maybe not getting a ton of clicks for. And, and that's something you could kind of hone in on. All right. So to go back to the rank science story, you guys have gotten a lot of traffic from your content marketing, from your case study on CoderWall. What other ways have you guys gotten people to your site? And are you focused really on finding new customers or, or working with the customers that you have? I told you first, we did this post on Hacker News before anybody knew about us, um, that started getting us some leads. So that, that was really great and really important. I actually experimented with promoting that tweet. So I had just like tweeted out that link about the, the case study uh, for Quitterwall. And I had always wanted to kind of try Twitter advertising. I'm addicted to Twitter. I probably spend way too much time on there. And uh, I do follow like the SEO Me community too. a lot. You too, yeah. And uh I actually um, had a bunch of success from from just like promoting that tweet, and I, and I think part of that is like it was interesting content. It's a new angle on SEO. It's kind of a refreshing angle on SEO, right? Like this company is actually data driven, and would they do A/B testing to validate their their SEO changes? And um, so I don't know. I probably spent just like a couple hundred bucks on Twitter uh, promoting that tweet after it was on HN, and it got a lot of distribution that way. And, and it seems like a pretty profitable channel for us. I think that one single piece of content did kind of run its course though. Like over time that kind of faded out. Um, but that's something that we'll probably try again. As part of getting into YC, um, we are lucky enough that we had a TechCrunch post about us. And um, when the TechCrunch post came out, I was initially a little embarrassed because the, you know, the angle on it was like, you know, rank science is coming to replace your job. Rank science is coming for your jobs. Like SEO consultants are in trouble. And you know, that, that wasn't like really like something that we were going for, like the messaging that we wanted. And so when I first read it, uh, I, you know, I was like, Oh man, I'm not sure if I like this, but the, the, the writer actually did us a huge favor because, um, the, the angle she took on what, what we're doing. And yes, we are looking to automate SEO software. And then like, that's actually true. Like we're not actually, we're not trying to put people out of work, but we are trying to automate SEO software. But the way she kind of spun it was like sensational enough that like, so we had a, a bunch of leads from, from TechCrunch and then it really got shared on, on Twitter. And so if you search for rank science on Twitter, you'll probably see that like people are still sharing that article. And so we got really lucky with that. And then Search Engine Journal picked us up sort of organically uh, and wrote, wrote more about us. And we got a bunch of leads from that as well. So that was great. And so we kind of have this, this sales pipeline um, through this press, you know, that, that we've gotten. That's not totally sustainable probably for, for us like long term but uh, right now we're, we're, we had uh, I don't know we had something like 1500 signups um, from, from that and you know we're kind of still working through working through those leads and how does your business model work how much do you charge people to use your services it depends on organic search traffic so it depends um, how much how much traffic is actually going through our CDN. And so we, we work with some sites that are really small and are just starting out. And then we work with some sites that are that are pumping through, you know, tens of millions of, of visits per, per month. And uh, it, it, you know, our, basically all that bandwidth goes through Rank Science. And so our costs go up, like the, you know, the larger a site is. Um, and so right now our pricing is pretty simple. It's basically anywhere between $2,000 a month uh, all the way up to about $8,000 a month. Yeah, that's interesting because 
the fact that you're a CDN with kind of like this value add of having A-B testing, people are already used to paying for a CDN. So it's not like they're going to blink when you charge them money to use your CDN because they're just going to switch from whatever they're using already. And then you can just charge extra based on the extra value that you provide with your A-B testing. That's that's totally right. Yeah. So so um, companies are used to paying for CDNs, and then the other thing that they compare us to actually is like what it costs to hire an SEO consultant or what it costs to hire someone to like do this full time. And so, you know, when I was an SEO consultant, you know, I would charge anywhere from you know three thousand dollars to six thousand dollars a month, and you know I, I could do you know a handful of clients at a time, but uh, you know. So say the range for if someone at the high end, someone who's like really good might charge like eight to 10 K a month um, or an, an agency might, might, uh, might cost that much. And so companies look at us and we're priced, you know, a little bit below, you know, what it costs to work with an SEO agency. Um, that being said, I, I think we have a, a ton to figure out with, with pricing. Um, our pricing model is like kind of simple right now. It kind of excludes us from working with sites that I think we could help a lot who maybe haven't done SEO before and, and think we're pretty expensive. Um, and so I, I think there's, there's a lot of room for, for opportunity there, but, but that's kind of how things are working right now. Is there anything that you guys have done that's significantly grown your revenue, like any pricing channels or any pricing changes or searching for different types of customers that are maybe more willing to pay you? We've had tons and tons of people, especially from the SEO community who like really want our software, but they think we're just really expensive. And uh, there's always going to be people who like want you to charge 20 bucks a month or a hundred bucks a month for your software. And uh, you know, th- those aren't like ideal customers and, or, and there's going to be people who think your software should be free. You know, those definitely aren't ideal customers. And so we've tried to ignore that, you know, as, as much as we can and focused on companies who we can have a really big impact in, in helping grow their sites um, and also c- companies that, that actually like really value our service where SEO is important to them, but they don't have time for it. Their engineers are busy working on products. They want to do A-B testing. Uh, they want to be data-driven and you know we can really have a big impact. And so we're focused on sort of like good fit customers right now. Um, I think you have to be careful in listening to what the market tells you when, when you start uh, doing pricing. I also think that like, because we're not, uh, we're not like cheap, sometimes you're, you're going to be too expensive for some folks. If there isn't anybody who thinks you're too expensive, then you're probably not charging enough. Yeah. It's something I've seen, especially with uh, a lot of developers who start companies is they tend to underprice. And part of it is that it just feels bad hearing people say that your product is too expensive and they don't buy because of it. But another part of it, I think, for developers at least, is when you see how something is made and you're able to make it yourself, it's easy to discount the value that people who can't make it uh, hold it in. So, you know, if you're whipping up your own CDN and you're like, okay, I can do this, and you might think, hey, it's not worth that much. You know, anyone could just build it. You know, I'm not going to charge too much. But in reality, it's almost always better to just charge more. It's better to err on the side of charging more than to charge too little. I, I think that's right because you you can always kind of bring the price down later if that's actually true. If you're if you're way too expensive, you can you can offer discounts, you can offer promotional pricing, but like raising your pricing later is is, is a hard thing to do. I, I feel like as developers, we like naturally like for, I don't know why this is, but like we scoff at the prices of software because I think we're like, well, I could build that, and you know that would just like take me a weekend, or that would take me a day, or or that would take me like a month. Why would I pay all this money for that? But like. As a programmer, your, your time is so valuable, and I don't know why uh, developers specifically like don't want to pay for pay for like quality software. So, what are your biggest goals that you're working on right now at Rank Science? Yeah, so so we just finished YC. Um, we we're now kind of focused on, on growing the team. Our our network is is ever expanding, and so you know we, we need to hire you know site reliability engineers. Uh, we need to make sure our CDN is is fast and secure um, and really stable, and uh, we're, we're hiring front end engineers as, as well uh, as as we build out more and more tools for for our customers and, and for ourselves. Um, so so we have a ton of work to do. We're like really improving our products. I think we, you know we've kind of validated you know this this idea or this like space. We, we really believe that the opportunity here is big, but. Um, now we really have to execute. So, so we really think that that we're, we're just getting started here, and you know we want to scale uh, over the next year by by two or three x. 
those are sort of our goals, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see that, that being said, YC just, uh, kind of came to a conclusion and we're kind of just now kind of like regrouping from this like three month pressure cooker forcing function for, for us and, and, uh, trying to figure out how to grow sustainably. And, um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. How did, how did being in YC affect your business? It was tremendous for, for us. And so we, we entered YC at about 28K in MRR. And they they said, we want you guys to hit 80. You know, that was like the first week. And we were like, oh, man, like, I don't know if that's possible. And so they set these like pretty lofty goals for a three-month period. And then they kind of told us like how they thought we could get there. And then they helped us like come up with the plan and um, and then like helped us do it. And so I think it was really good because like, as you're forced to grow, you learn about what product, what parts of your products like need help, what par- what parts are like held together with duct tape. Uh, you learn about some of your key assumptions, and then just like we, t- I talked to so many uh, customers and so many potential customers during YC that I think I have like a really good idea of like what sorts of features we need to build build next um, if we want to move up to like you know, higher tier customers or, um, you know, even larger websites, like what sorts of, what sorts of things we'll need to do to get there. Um, what, what, what things those companies care about. So I think it just forces you to grow and learn so much in, in a, in a three month period. That's like hard to replicate if you're not in the program. Yeah. Is there something that you say special that, you know, doing YC, some sort of like special fire lights under you that, that you can't have on your own or that's harder to have on your own? I, I think it's it's it totally it, it's totally true, and so I don't think we would have you know we definitely wouldn't have hit these growth targets um, w- without YC as a forcing function. But but then also just like the community, the network, being around these other startups who are who are learning, who, who are making mistakes, uh, but are also like you know supporting one another. I think that collective is is so important, um, and that that insight into like hey, like other startups have problems too. Um, is, is like really valuable. Um, we, they do these things called group office hours where there's a handful of YC partners and you're in there with say six or eight other companies and you kind of go through where, how you've grown you know, over the last week, uh, what, you know, what your biggest problems are, what you're concerned about, what you need help with. And in going through that with a, with a, with a whole group of, of other startups, it's just like, it's like, I guess it's almost like group therapy, um, but it's, it, it was really valuable for us. And that's something that changed from the, the last time I did YC in, with you in 2011, the, the group office hours concept. But, uh, you know, we, we got so much out of YC, the YC partners were, were tremendous. And uh, I learned so much about sales for, from them. And um, just, you know, just being a part of the network for a lot of our early customers as well, it was uh, super valuable. I really wanted to ask about sales. So what role has sales played in growing rank science versus marketing? So, so I'm a software engineer who never did sales ever in my life. And um, I kind of was learning in starting rank science. I, I think I was like kind of afraid to get started. But as the founder of a company, you're kind of forced into it. And um, there's no way to sign up for rank science at the moment without talking with me on the phone um, which is kind of insane and, and we're working on a you know more self-service automated sign up right now but le- learning how to do sales um it was extremely important for us i think you can get by without sort of like much of a product if you're if you're good at sales uh in the, in the early stages but it's also really important for you know validating what you're doing getting feedback on what you're doing figuring out pricing there, there's so much that that we've learned and so i think that I went from like a total noob at, at sales to someone who's like, you know, still pretty green, but like I, I've at least leveled up in some areas. And, you know, there's a bunch of YC partners now who have, you know, have grown big enterprise uh, software companies and, uh, you know, getting advice from folks like that was, was tremendous. What's some of the best advice that they've given you? Yeah, that's a good question. I learned a lot about sort of the proposal process, sales process. At one point, I think, we're putting together proposals for customers. I would just kind of send them out, and uh, and this is probably something that's completely obvious to, to everyone except myself. But uh, I would just like send them out, and you know, have a price attached to it that had to do with their organic search traffic and some kind of like notes and opportunities that you know that we saw where we think our software could get them. And 
And I would just sort of send it out to them over email, like, like, hey, if you want to work with us, that'd be great. But, you know, if not, no big deal. And uh, I, re- I realized, or one of the partners kind of pushed me towards like, hey, why would you send out a proposal without like scheduling a follow-up call to like review the proposal? And I was like, oh yeah, that, that's completely obvious. And, and once I started doing that, you know, our close rate went up by like 30% or something. So like there's, there's like really simple tactics that I just like was unaware of um, because I've never done sales before and uh, still have a lot to learn. Uh, but, you know, there, there's certain ways like that where you can just start to level up. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about doing a startup is that you end up having to wear all sorts of hats that you've never worn before. And so you're a beginner, you know, at a lot of different things. You just make really rookie mistakes. Uh, absolutely, for, for, for sure. Uh, one thing like for us that is really important is, is we're, a, we're a CDN. And so, um, you know, the, the most important thing is that uh, we cannot, uh, our, we need to keep our customer sites fast. <laughs> they need to be stable. Um, if anyone's site goes down, like they don't care about their SEO. And so um, we spent the first couple months really just honing in on like building a really secure, fast, solid uh, CDN on top of AWS. Um, and I think like I probably could have been doing more sales and more validation during that period, but it was worthwhile for us because, you know, the CDN piece is, is so important. I think like in the first couple months of a startup, first six months, first year, um, you're going to make mistakes. And it's really about how you respond to them, how you bounce back. Uh, having a co-founder is, is really huge as well, I think. I initially kind of started working on this a little bit on, on my own before Dylan joined or before I was able to convince Dylan to join full time, but you know, I really was kind of just spinning my wheels in a lot of ways. Where having a, and when Dylan joined on is, is when things really started to accelerate. So having a co-founder to kind of lean on to, to get through some of those bumps in the road, some of those difficult times, is, is really crucial as well. How did you meet Dylan and convince him to join? I, okay, I was uh, the last startup I went through YC with was Tudor Spree, and so I was the. Uh, CTO and was responsible for for hiring and growing the engineering team. And uh, Dylan went through this program called Hacker School in New York. It's now called Recurse Center. And um, I was trying to hire him to be one of our engineers at Tudor Spree. It didn't work out. I think he, he ended up taking a job somewhere else, which was, which was a great great move on his part, probably. <laughs> but uh, we stayed in touch and became friends. And uh, ended up both moving out to to San Francisco and. Timing just kind of worked out, so um, and you know we get along, we get along super well, uh, and uh, you know Dylan's fantastic, and um, yeah, just, just kind of really got lucky there. So I want to switch gears and talk about a topic that I like bringing up in these interviews, just because it doesn't get talked about that often, and that's the psychology behind starting a business. Do you have any personal habits or things that you do to stay productive and motivated as a founder? Yeah, I don't know that I don't know that I do to be honest. I know like I talk to lots of founders who have these life hacks where it's like they get up at 6 a.m. and they have this ritual. I don't know. They go for a run and they make their coffee before they open their inbox or whatever. Uh, I don't have anything like that. I don't stick to any like really strict regimen. Uh, I try to give myself some time where I'm not focused on rank science through, throughout the week, and so. I'm basically trying to take at least like one day off a week. But, you know, the first year of a startup, um, you're just kind of like working all the time. And, and not to like glamorize that, I think uh, I, I really value like working efficiently and working smartly over just like quantity of hours. But uh, yeah, I, I, that's really it. Well, to ask you a different way, are there any times where you feel uh, particularly demotivated about rank science? And if not, why do you think that th- that is? So I, I've, I've experienced this with other startups. Um, I haven't experienced this with Rank Science. I think one we've gotten lucky in that we've kind of hit on something that like a lot of you know a lot of people are excited about, or that there's like a lot of inbound interest. And so you know we're really busy with like uh, you know trying to make our existing customers happy, and then also trying to to add new customers or onboard new customers. So so yeah, I haven't like experienced anything like demotivating. I think in the past with previous startups where like growth sort of goes flat, that can be like kind of demoralizing and, and that can be hard to kind of work through. So yeah, that's kind of my answer. Yeah, it's like traction is the cure. Yeah, that, that's totally right. <laughs> and, and I think like when 
things are going well in a startup, like you're, you're sort of naturally energized, right? If, if like the company is growing, even if you know that like, you know, the products could be so much better or like there needs to be like better human processes for doing like manual work or th- there's inevitably like lots of things like going wrong in a startup. But like if the, if the company is growing, if revenue is growing, whatever your key metric is, you know, that kind of like satisfies like all desires. Um, and if the company is not growing and that's where like, you know, co-founders or employees are like pointing fingers at one another or, uh, you know, things are, you know, really amp- like problems are really amplified and, um, and that can be kind of, you know, really tough to work through, but really, I guess, you know, growth is, growth is the answer. Um, if you're trying to, you know, build, build a big company. Yeah. I think I felt similar things in the past, even not building a big company, just working on side projects and, and things. Uh, Andy hackers, for example, I've spent very little time demoralized about our, you know, kind of just like spinning the wheels because it's been pretty popular since I started it versus older things like Task Force, which I did YC with in 2011. It never really took off. It was always kind of hard to work on. It was always kind of, you know, I hope this next thing works. And so it ultimately seems kind of frustrating because the answer is like, okay, if you want to, if you want to be motivated about your company, just build something that's successful just not much of an answer (laughs) but uh to finish up what is one piece of advice you would give to people who are just starting out maybe they haven't started their company yet but they want to get started i think for me and this is like it's probably like too premature for for me to take any you know i have any like major takeaways from rank science this is it's it's only been about a year i've been doing this One, one thing that i like about what we're doing one thing that i think has been helpful for us is we focused on an area that's kind of unsexy at SEO and there's not, you know, there, there are companies, there's a lot of companies working on SEO, um, but a large part uh, of what we're doing is, is kind of new or, or different. And I don't know many SEO companies in Silicon Valley that are working on this and we don't think we really have any competitors yet. And, and so um, I think choosing like an, an unsexy area or something that you think is really important, but other people are ignoring can, can be a really big advantage. Cool. Thanks for the tip. Well, that is all the questions I have for you today. Thanks so much for joining. Absolutely. Yeah. Th- thank you so much for, for having me. It was, it was great chatting with you. All right. Later, Ryan. All right. Take care. Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this conversation, you should join me and a whole bunch of other indie hackers and entrepreneurs on the ndhackers.com forum, where we talk about things like how to come up with a good idea and how to find your first paying customers. Also, if you're working on a business or a product of your own, it's a great place to come and get feedback from the community on what you're working on. Again, that's www.ndhackers.com slash forum. Thanks, and I'll see you guys next time.